0: Hello. Is this thing on?
1: Welcome to Energy One Hundred and One. Where, okay, here's the deal. Our name is in question right now, but the consistent, the not consensus. The theme is not. So we ask the dumb questions, but no question is actually dumb. So they're not dumb. So you don't have to. (laughs) That's (laughs) questionable. We ask the basic questions about energy because we want to learn and we're tired of pretending like we know anything about energy. Um, So you are here as our second guest. This is Justin Gauthier. Yeah, you got it. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be the first podcast you were on that did not talk about your last name for five minutes. Thank you. You're welcome.
2: Moving on. Like, <laughs> on. Straight, straight <laughs> on. I love yeah. talking about myself in my last name, bro. It's okay. Uh, but no, thank you so much for having me on. I'm pumped. You sent me a message and I was like, absolutely. Any you know Anything to support digital wildcatters, just to be involved and at the end of the day, educating hopefully people who have a misconception about energy. um, That's the goal, right? And so not to just like start off, but I just want to start off by saying, um, you know, we do such a good job and, you know, especially in oil and gas, like we go to these conferences and we beat our chest and we preach to the choir. But like, ultimately, if we want to move the needle, we have to educate people who are not familiar with the topics. And so I think what you guys are doing are great. um, And so I commend you say you guys, but you ladies nowadays you be careful. Um maybe you identify something else. I don't know, but however, uh yeah, no, super pumped to be here so thank you.
1: Yeah, so we're excited. Um so kind of what you were saying, we yeah, want to educate not the echo chamber, but outside of that, we want to really reach the people who don't know anything. And it's interesting because I did have a conversation yesterday. I was talking to a parent at Jiu Jitsu. He's from San Francisco. They moved to Houston um in January to become entrepreneurs. So they are wow. in real estate and they're just like, this is a place to be. They know nothing about oil and gas. So when I started like saying talking about digital wall and oil and gas energy, his immediate thought was to talk about um electricity prices and like those companies. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly like what the companies do that we kind of work, like our clients and who we like try to educate. Like that's different, but I didn't know how to explain that. Sure. So how would you explain oil and gas to someone who like him? He's like, I have like, it seemed like he had barely even heard of oil and gas. Like, I think he thought of gasoline and then thought of like, the electricity companies which that's not wrong it's just right. how do you kind of explain that yeah
2: no that I mean that's a great question and I think that's something that we need to it's kind of like when you go when you have a company and you have a sales pitch or an elevator pitch it's like well what do you do you need to be able to explain it within like 30 seconds maybe less if not it's people use too much energy to, energy to try and figure out what the hell you're trying to talk about Um so so that's an interesting question and an answer that anyone within the oil and gas space or in any space, whether you're, um, you design signs or, you know, you're in oil and gas or you provide electricity or you make coffee cups, like you should be able to explain it simply to where people like can digest it and say, Oh, like that makes sense to me. Um, and so, and, and I'll answer your question, but, uh, I, I had the pleasure of having a gentleman on my podcast who connected with my wife over LinkedIn He's in the real estate uh, industry, and he also had no idea about oil and gas. He, he, although he was from Oklahoma, he had traveled growing up quite a bit, and um, he was starting to make comments on my posts um, just saying, oh, wow, that was interesting or whatever. And so I looked at his background, not oil and gas related at all, and I was like, man, why don't you come on my podcast? Because I was like, I'd be interested to hear your perspective as, as someone who is outside the oil and gas you know, ecosystem, Mm -hmm. like, give me your honest opinion on us as an industry. Cause I'm curious, cause anyone I ever talked to, I mean, I have people within my social circle that aren't oil and gas, but they're here in Houston. And so like, they appreciate Mm -hmm. the industry for what it is and what it provides. But this gentleman had no, you know, no experience with it. And so I had him on and, you know, we had a great conversation and he said, man, like I, I listened to your podcast and he's like, to be honest, growing up, he's like, it was like the big, bad oil and gas companies that all they wanted to do is, you know, is, ruin the earth and make as much money as possible. And he's like, but after being, you know, listening to your podcast, looking at your content, A, you're a good guy, which, you know, I thought everyone in and Gas was just like a bunch of rednecks who were, <laughs> were mean, right, or whatever, yeah, like yeah. whatever the perception was. Um, so, it, you know, we got that sort of, you know, biases out of the window. And then, you know, he he, he said, yeah, after he's like, I listened to one of your podcasts. And it was funny because that same day he was with his friends and they were complaining about gas prices. And then he's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not big on like economics, this and that. He's like, but I, I had enough of an understanding based off your podcast where I could explain like, it's like the oil companies aren't the ones that yeah. you should be blaming. And according to this podcast, like there's this thing called supply and demand. And he like tried to piece it together, but ultimately I helped him. And I say, I, you know, the people that I had on, you know, the industry helped him, Uh, you know, gather enough information where he could draw the conclusion where it wasn't a negative connotation towards the industry. And he had enough, I guess, information to draw his conclusions to say, okay, oil and gas is actually extremely important. I didn't realize that because um, he said he grew up in a family or it was kind of demonized and everything else. But, but now he, and he said, I actually would love for my kids. Like if they told me they wanted to get in the oil and gas industry, I would encourage them to do so because it sounds like there's plenty of opportunity and that was amazing to me. Like I, I ultimately hope that like that next generation of his family can at least appreciate and have a decent understanding based off their dad's knowledge of the industry. So um, that to me is why I podcast is for that exact reason. So to go back and answer your question, <laughs> like someone comes from whatever, California or wherever and says, well, what's oil and gas? Um, and, and what do you guys do? Like ultimately it's, you know, you have three parts, you, you, you drill and you, you, you extract stuff from the ground and that stuff helps create energy. It helps create cups. It helps it's hydrocarbons are the backbone for almost anything that we use. Um, and so that, you know, hopefully that's very broad, but I, I would, I would start with like, you know, the earth has these minerals and this liquid and this gas that ultimately helps make everything you see around us. Um and then it's like, oh really? Like, well give me an example. And gasoline's the easiest one, right? Um, you know, you, you extract the, the oil from the ground and and through different Processes. I'm trying to keep it like super generic yeah. right? <laughs> through different through, through different. Uh, a, there's a process that can ex- you know essentially separate it and create gasoline for your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's the easiest example, but then there's there's tons out there. Uh, and so when when you had the interaction with with this gentleman, were you? his question was what is oil and gas or like how, or is, he what is you, what do you do? didn't
1: ask. So we were talking about just, yeah, what we do, the, the basically, um, industry. Yeah. And I could just tell by the look on his face, he was like, like what is oil and gas? Like he didn't, he was, it seemed like he was thinking like, yeah, like I said, gasoline or just, um, electric companies. So yeah, like see. electricity companies. Right. Rather, because he started talking about uh, how it's crazy here um, where you have like a ton of different electricity companies to choose
2: from. Oh, uh, yeah. So
1: his mind went immediately to that, right. which is fine.
2: It's all connected, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I guess to 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 like to get a little bit more technical, I guess, like I would, if someone asked me, I would say, well, there's three main components of of the oil and gas industry. You have the upstream, which is, where you everything happens out in the middle of nowhere and you drill and you extract the oil and gas. And you have the midstream, which you transport that material to these facilities. And then those facilities break up that oil and gas and then sell it to consumers, being whether it's chemical manufacturers or you know, electricity companies. Like, and again, there's a lot more in between, but that's like very high level how that happens. And then like talking about the utility sizes, you know, yeah, we're not to get into like u- utility markets and power markets, but ultimately, you know, natural gas is, is a big component of how we, cre- you know, create power and there's natural gas process, like power plants. Mm-hmm. And so the gas comes in, it turns a turbine and then that turbine creates electricity, which then they sell it to the market and so on and so forth. So, but like that's stuff that the average person would have no idea about. But ultimately when you you can always reverse, kind of explain it too. Is it's like, okay, so, you know, do you have a phone? Yes. Okay. How do you charge it? Well, electricity. Well, do you know where that comes from? Well, the wall. The wall. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, well, like, there's these plants that create the electricity, and in order for them to create electricity, they need uh, some form of energy, and that energy comes from, you know, it could come from wind, because ultimately electricity always comes from turning turbines, right? Like. So whether that's through water, like you have hydroelectricity and you have, you know, wind turns the turbines. Um, nuclear power is kind of different in itself, but that's a lot of times is like kind of reverse explaining it. And then like for my daughter, actually, you know, this is a good topic for parents who have kids who are trying to explain energy. And like one thing that we've taught our daughter, my son's not quite old enough to like digest it, but. She knows now is like the critical parts of life are food, water, and energy. Like that's what you need. And so she understands where food comes from. She understands water. But the energy one was like, you know, and so it's like we started with the wall. It was like, okay, you have your, your light or whatever. And then because she doesn't really know what I do except for work on a computer and talk on the phone. Yeah. All day. <laughs> I was like, well, the reason I do that is because blah, blah, blah. But, you know, she understands now that without, daddy drilling holes in the ground, we wouldn't be able to drive our cars. And I say, when I, daddy drills the holes and then this stuff comes out of the ground and we put that stuff in the vehicle. And she's like, oh, wait, that's important. Yes, it is. Until we go fully EV. But, you know, then we explain, okay, we need electricity. Mm -hmm. Well, where does the electricity come from? The electricity comes from the wall and there's these big machines that make electricity. But in order to power the machines, you need the stuff that daddy gets out of the ground. Mm -hmm. And so she's like connecting the dots And, you know, as we evolve, we'll explain more of, like, other technologies. But to, like, that's – if you can explain it to a six-year-old, hopefully you can explain it to to another adult.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think the hardest part of understanding it is, like, you can't see it. Like, you see your food. You see the plants that it grows on. Not everyone is, um, you know, from Midland, Texas. (laughs) You don't get to see the rigs that actually drill or the pump jacks that are pumping the oil. So I think that's where it becomes, like – non-existent to some people who don't see any energy infrastructure at all.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And so it's interesting that you brought up, like, two parts. So, yes, we had on our last episode, Kay McCall, who she divided up energy into two parts. One was power, which is your turbine. So any wind, exactly what you're saying. And the other side of it would be, I can't remember what she called it. I don't know if you all remember, but... Basically, oil and gas. Like, what else do we make from that? Like, aside energy, aside from like power generation. Okay. Um, which you kind of already touched on. Like, we need petroleum to make all the things we use. Right. There's
2: yeah. So I mean, so the energy side is I would consider the energy side of it as like power and electricity. That to me, when I think energy. That's what I think. However, there's another component the petrochemical side. And the petrochemical side is extremely important. And that's where I think you're going to see a lot of demand growth on the petrochemical side. Um, you're going to need a lot more of that because you're creating more goods, right? As, as economies continue to evolve, the, the demand for energy and the demand for just overall stuff that we see and use every yeah. day increases. Um, and arguably like the world's economies are continuing to grow, you know, again, that's debatable right now, but for all extensive purposes, you have emerging economies like India and China and stuff that are just continuing to use more stuff. So in order to create more stuff, you have the other side of, of the energy industry that helps create feedstock for a lot of, and feedstock are like material. So when you extract oil and gas, there's byproducts after you separate it through heat and other Forms of doing that, but again, in in speaking in very generalities, you have when you extract stuff out of the ground, you can use some of that to use to to create electricity, and then you can use a lot of that for whether it be fertilizer, whether it be you know chemicals like that get used in plastics, and so that, that I would separate like the power. And then the petrochemical side and you, you can all again, you can break it down further and, and anyone who's listening is probably like, well, yeah, but this, yeah, but yeah. that. Like, <laughs> I know everyone, you know, like take it easy. Um, I'm trying to keep it very simple. Um and- I
1: think that on that point, that is where um, the industry really lacks. Like they like to overcomplicate the way they explain things because <laughs> it is very in depth and technical, but yeah. you can't, you if you were to tell me all the technical stuff I'd be like yeah okay bye yeah but then <laughs> yeah you, yeah you lose it's interest so you have to keep it high level so you do you notice it like on TikTok Colin will make an explainer video and they like you mess up this like actually it's this and it's oh, like I know. that's not the point yeah. and that it doesn't matter to people outside of the industry and that's ultimately <sighs> who we need to talk to right
2: <laughs> yeah and and like whether it's you know, cause again, everyone claims to be an expert. Like, you know, TikTok's a great example. I was, so I started this little TikTok (laughs) account, which I go on there and I just like speak my mind. Like if I think of something, I'll go on there, I'll say it. And whether it's like talking about oil and gas, markets, sales, anything. And I was in, (laughs) this is the funniest thing. So I was in, I was in Colorado and uh, I was in Frisco, Colorado. So up in the mountains and Like for 14 chicken wings was like $27 or something. And so I, so of course I was like, oh, that's crazy. I take out my phone. I'm like do a TikTok thing. I'm like $27 for chicken wings. Are you fucking kidding me? And like, just kind of joking. And then I, I was not expecting this, but like so many people went on there and were like, thanks Biden, like Biden, this and that. Like everyone like started getting so mad at like Biden over this post. And I was like, Okay. Like the I comment to...
0: section on TikTok is wild.
2: Yeah, that's where all the juice is, right? Yeah. So, but so then I so then I started replying, and I was like, "Well, I I have a hard time thinking that like Biden is single handedly causing chickflation. That's what I was calling it. And so I made, yeah. And and so then I like made another post. I'm like, okay, like to clear things up, like yeah, I get it. Like everyone is is an economist now, and you know everyone understands inflation, and everyone's an expert. But like let's consider supply and demand here. And then everyone was like no, but this and that. And then I was like, okay, I I need to stop. So I like totally stopped (laughs) responding. But to the point of everyone's an expert is this like, yeah. And like, I commend Colin for doing that. Like he's talking about like random components and different things within and then like educating people and to go on there and then like try and it's a term down here everyone i guess knows but i learned this recently out Whataburger, somebody is that have you heard that
1: i've never never heard that
2: oh okay well when like when you go like you know one uppers (laughs) yeah like i'm gonna one up you it's like if if you went to a concert well the concert i went to was way better yeah you should have been to the one i was at well yeah everyone like seems to think that like their comments or what they know is that much smarter um but ultimately it's like it doesn't matter like the fact that like unless it was like completely off scales like if Colin was talking about like a wind turbine that you used to drill oil and gas for, I'd be like, okay, like maybe you can correct course here. Clear <laughs> that up right. a little. Yeah. <laughs> but like to get into the nuances and the details, it's like he's not trying to teach a like a graduate level engineering course. He's trying to help people who don't understand the industry. And yeah. like, so let's not get caught up in the in the semantics here. Um, but yeah, it's 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 crazy. And to keep it high level, it's again that that is a great point, is we have a hard time in oil and gas explaining what we do. Um, but then you have all these scientists and engineers being like, I'm going to show you how smart I am. And it's like, no one gives a shit. They just want to understand what's going on. Like, can you not simplify it, please? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: On that note, gonna like do a little test. Can you simplify what you do to us?
2: Uh, yeah. So when you drill for oil and gas, I'm going to assume people understand what drilling is. That's fine. Okay. So you, you, yeah, you have this big machine that sits on the, on the dirt. And it drills down to get to the pool of oil and then it just gushes everywhere, right? Like that's, okay. So, but in order to get there, you need a fluid that is pumped down to where you can, if you're in a, like, let's let's go to the beach. Everyone close your eyes. (laughs) When you're digging to get to China, right? At the beach, because everyone knows if you dig deep enough, you can get to China. What happens? When you start digging, what happens?
1: The sand gets wet.
2: Yeah. And then what happens? Starts to fall in, right? Like oh. you dig the more. The deeper I've never you, dug that. But I'm
1: like, <laughs> I'm like, what, what happened? I, I, I was just at the beach, and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so you dig down, then all of a sudden you get down there, and 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 then the, the the sand wants to fall in, and you're like, well, I can't see China yet, so you keep digging, and just China never appears. But if actually, side note, if you dig deep enough here in Texas to get to where you can dig to China, you won't actually get to China. I thought anywhere in the world, if you dig deep enough, you just somehow end up in China. Mm-hmm. But apparently not. i <laughs> um, never heard
1: that.
2: No? Okay. Well, maybe no. that's a Canadian thing. I've,
1: no, I've heard that before. Okay, thank you. I've heard uh, it, I'm not but that crazy. it's not actually true, right? <laughs> no, no. You're right.
2: Yeah, no. These are the questions that are not dumb. Yes, if you dig deep <laughs> enough... Right here in Houston, Texas, I don't think you'll end up in China, <laughs> uh, although it'd be funny if you did. But I firmly believe I'm that growing up in British Columbia, <laughs> yeah. if I dug deep enough, I would get to China. But I soon found out that if you dig deep enough, what happens is the dirt and the sand falls back in on itself. So how would you get that sand and dirt from falling in? How, you would? Well, the, what I do is I provide drilling fluid. So as I, I provide chemicals in engineering on site, meaning at the rig, and we add chemicals to the fluid that gets pumped to make sure that all that rock and dirt can get lifted out of the ground so you can keep keep digging deeper. Cause if you just like I say, if you kept digging now if 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 your hand somehow had something that could like pump fluid and like kick and spray all that dirt everywhere, you might get to China. Yeah. Like at the end of your fingers, if you could shoot more more water down there, you might be able to get deep enough to China. So, so again, so if you're digging, uh, you know, on a rig, you're digging and and you're drilling, um, I help provide fluid to where you can continue to dig. And, and what happens is as you get deeper, there's, there's this phenomenon called reservoir pressure. Okay. And what that is, is as you dig deeper, the pressure one it wants to cave in. Like there, and then that's how ultimately oil and gas gets pushed out of the ground is because there's pressure when you dig deep, there's pressure. Now everyone's like, well, what about conventionals? And sometimes it's depleted. Yeah, 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 whatever. But ultimately, the deeper <laughs> you get, the more pressure there is. Okay. So, but in but as you're drilling, you don't want all that pressure to shoot uh like fluid and gas back at you because it's very dangerous. So the fluid that I provide has a certain density and by that I mean it's heavy so when you did when you drill it helps keep the hole open to where you don't have gas and oil shooting back at you because you don't want that you only want that when you're ready to actually extract the oil and the gas but as you're drilling to get there you want to hold it back so that you don't have uh issues so that's so it also basically part of it.
1: suppresses and keeps the hole open yeah
2: it keeps the hole open so you can drill to okay. to Pleasure Island, which is the Three which islands. is the reservoir, which is the oil and the gas, yeah, where the
0: gold
1: is,
2: yeah, yeah, where the black gold is, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, that makes sense to me. Do y'all have any questions about it? No, but we're gonna go into rapid fire. Are you ready?
2: Yes. Wow. So I no questions. I explained that perfectly. You no did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I did. <laughs> The company I work for is probably like, do we should, keep you should probably, probably yeah, <laughs> and we're questioning the. We whatever.
1: probably don't even know if you said anything wrong. Like, yeah. yeah, like I yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. Yeah. perfect right. sense to me, especially going all the way to China. Right yeah. now, we
2: haven't dug to China yet, but if we do, I'll <laughs> we... be the one to provide the fluid for it.
0: <laughs> all right, here we go. Okay. What is the number one misconception about the energy industry?
2: The energy industry. Or oil
1: and gas. Or oil and gas, yeah. Okay.
2: Um, That we're all out to ruin the earth and make as much money as humanly possible.
1: So, would you say that, because I kind of believe this, that I think um, people in the industry, it's like the environment is more top of mind than anyone else. Like, I think that we are doing a good job of trying to minimize yeah like our effect on and i think that it's yes. top of mind for oil and gas companies more than anyone else mm-hmm. would you say that
2: i would say that and and again i you know i'm i'm somewhat biased because i don't have exposure to other industries who do operate in remote areas that ultimately do you know dig dirt and take forest away and everything else however if you look at land reclamation, especially up in Canada, when when an oil and gas company or an energy company goes and does their work, they are responsible for leaving that basically area or that land in better or in the same or better condition than what they left there when they, they got, got there. there. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, it is a lot of oil. Now, granted, it depends on the on the company, right? Like a lot of these huge companies like they have a bullseye on their back because if anything happens and they're the ones, you know, you're not, you're not looking at all these small mom and pops that, you know, if all of a sudden they burn a rig down, like you're going to hear about it. But if like an Exxon or a Chevron does it, like then it's severe, but I can say this through time. And I've been uh, in oil and gas since 2004 is the emphasis on environmental protection, land reclamation, making sure that they protect groundwater, they're, they have spent more money in, in R&D on making sure that they minimize the effects on the environment than I would imagine a lot of other industries. Um, you know, and, and one of the biggest things right now is is the methane, the, you know, the flaring. That's mm-hmm. a huge topic of discussion. And there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to come up with technologies to minimize that and find ways, well, now with gas at almost $10 per I mean, BTU that's, <laughs> People were finding ways to try and get it to market to sell it. But for a while, gas was cheap and no one knew what to do with it. So they just let it, they just right. flared it. And so, but but, no, but now there's a lot of, you know, policy and a lot of mandates in place to say, okay, we got to minimize flaring. And a lot of companies are, are spending a lot of money and time figuring out how to do that. And so, yeah, there's, I mean, especially here in the U.S. and in Canada, like the the environmental aspect of our industry is is extremely important and a lot of companies like they spend a lot of time and effort trying to minimize that and so mm-hmm. but you don't see that right like it's kind of behind closed doors and they do it and you know people can plug their iPhones into the wall and it doesn't really mean anything it's yeah. you know what I mean so it's again it, to your point is it's like you can't see them when they're doing that yeah um but it all adds up at the end of the day to where the US is producing in a way that's much safer and environmentally friendly than a lot of other parts of the world. Um and I've seen it and I've experienced it and I've been in meetings and talking about like, you know, reducing the amount of water they use, they're reducing the amount of people that are on the road driving. Um those are just like a few of like tons of other things, but mm-hmm. there's these little things that make people can grasp is like, oh, they're, you know, cuz when you frack a well, it, it uses a ton of water. Well, there, everyone's trying to reduce the amount of water we use because, you know, it's somewhat finite. So, um, but yes, oil and gas companies, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy to see how much money and time they put into that. Cause you know, investors want it right now. If you're an investor, you want to invest in companies that have the, you know, the environment, um, like they have the, If you're in, if you're on the investment side, most companies want to invest in companies that have, uh, like good ESG metrics, environmental, like friendly, and yeah, they. they, I also think it increases
1: efficiency in some aspect.
2: Yeah, um, it it does. um, Again, I can't. I I wouldn't. I don't have enough experience on the operator side to say if they operate more sustainably and they have a better ESG. Sort of certain ESG standards or environmental standards that they operate more efficiently i I don't know that per se mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't want to come out here and say yeah if, if if companies have a of good environmental standards they're going to operate more efficiently, but it's more efficient for the entire ecosystem to operate more efficiently because ultimately then investors are going to want to invest in companies that do operate in a good manner um to where then yeah it's if we can produce more here in the u s then that obviously that that would be much better so anyway that yeah it's it'd be hard to make that parallel i
1: didn't mean to uh hijack your rapid fire but i do (laughs) want to plug in so we are doing a vlog series with presidio petroleum and they we just this week released an episode um and it's all about their like how they're lowering emissions Mm -hmm. um and their operations so i found it very very interesting and i think that other people would too. It's just their take on it as an oil and gas company is very interesting. Cool. And that's kind of why I had kind of some conclusions, but yeah, it could be just them. But I hope like they're the future and others will follow.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean that would be something I need to do more research on on that as well. But and what was the operator's name?
1: Presidio, Pres- Presidio
2: Petroleum. Presidio Petroleum. Nice. Yeah. No, yep. good for them. That's awesome.
0: All right. Yeah, um, we kind of touched base on this one, but why should I, like someone that doesn't know anything about the oil and gas industry or the energy industry, why should I care?
2: Um, You shouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 no. That's the uh, answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Um, I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> make our lives easier. Yeah, yeah, it'll be there. Just keep paying your bills. It'll be right. fine. Just um, keep living. Um, yeah. You know, I... That's, a, that's actually a really good question. Why should you care? Be, and Because it, it, it indirectly and directly impacts your life and it impacts your kids' lives. Um, and I, I think that the more people can be educated, they can make sort of educated decisions.
0: Right. Knowledge is power.
2: Yeah, that's exactly. And so I, I think it just comes down to having a better understanding and and it helps – guide your decision-making um whether that's conserving like so for someone like yourself and and i and i know this because i've spoken to people that you're know, in their 20s they make a lot of their buying decisions based off of company values so you know whether you're you're going to the store and if you see a you know a shirt that like oh we you know we you know a portion of our proceeds goes to whatever environmental company versus mm-hmm. no one like the behavior of consumers right now is like I want to buy stuff that I align with this company values, so hundred percent, yeah, and so if you have an understanding of like energy and oil and gas, it might help you make better buying decisions, not like t shirts but yeah, um it helps you understand why your why your electricity bill is probably going to be double um I don't know if you pay your electricity bill, but
0: I, I lived in New York and uh i yeah, I got a big understanding. Yeah. Every, every month when I my con ed bill is coming in, I'm right. like, okay, so, why in the summer are prices getting higher, you know?
2: So. Yeah. So here on a macro level, it allows you, okay. So ultimately, whoever our administration is, whether it's you know, blue, green, red, purple, whatever, um, well, there's only two here in the US, but uh <laughs> so it allows you to make better decisions when you're voting for who and, and it allows you to understand policy. And I think that's where ultimately if you have an understanding of energy. A lot of when people, when the president voting comes up, a lot of their initiatives are energy policy and energy security. And so if you at least have some basic understanding of that, then it might help you justify why you're voting for somebody. Um, Not to make it political, but ultimately, if you vote for someone who, let's just say, is like, we want to stop oil and gas production, period. Well, at least then understand that your electricity and all your energy prices are going to go up on top of that we're still going to use that oil and gas so if we can't produce it where are we going to get it from oh we're going to depend on people from overseas and if we do that then we're giving up our energy security and i'm not going to go into energy security but that's a good sort of topic to google is what is energy security and so that was one thing in our former administration was like energy independence um you know again no one's perfect i'm not blue i'm not red i'm more purple than anything however there, there is something to be said about having a degree of energy independence because that also increases our energy security. And wars have been happening for years over money and power and oil. And so it all ties together and it impacts us whether we want to admit it or not. Um, it's again, it's again, like you said, the more knowledgeable you are, the more you have an understanding of how it all ties together. You can ultimately make better decisions. And more educated decisions than just off like emotion or headlines that we see every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good answer. Um, our last one, this is my favorite one. What yeah. is your most embarrassing story in your career?
2: My most embarrassing story in my career. Oh, that's a good one. Let's see. Oh, this is a good one. Uh <laughs> and then after this, I do have to bounce ladies. But so I started so I was when I graduated high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I started working drilling rigs. So then I went from being a city boy who enjoyed, you know, the finer things of life, partying, ladies, all that stuff as an 18-year-old. Well, I went from that to going to work on a drilling rig. Well, the drilling rig that I worked on only had two crews. And for everyone out there who doesn't know, normally you have more than two crews so that you can circulate. But if you only have two crews, that means that you don't really get days off. Um, And so when that was happening, so I got onto the rig. And I was like, so yeah, this, this two week on two week off thing. And they're like, no, buddy, like you're out here until we tell you, you can go home. And I was like, but I thought, oh, okay, never mind. So anyway, um, we're going rig and it had been like three weeks and I was like, I really want to go home. Like I went from being at home, like comfort of my parents' house to now working on a drilling rig. And I don't know when I'm going home. This sucks. I hated it. And I was a lease hand. And part of my job on a day-to-day basis was cleaning the, like the rigs toilets and like the bathrooms. And in Canada, the trailer, the tool pusher's trailer, and the tool is kind of like the boss on the rig. Well, anyway, at the end of his trailer was the bathroom. So one day I was cleaning the bathroom and I, I was trying to figure out like how I could get home. Um, and I was like, well, wait, you know, like I have, you know, a wedding coming up. And I was like, okay, so, but I was too embarrassed to go into the, to the, my boss's trailer through the front door But from the bathroom to the door, um, or from like the bathroom that I was cleaning, there was a door to his office. And I heard him in there on the phone. And so I waited in the bathroom till he was done on the phone. Then I knocked on the door and his name was Daryl. And he was like, Hello? I was like, Hey, Daryl, this is Justin. I'm cleaning the bathroom right now. I was wondering if you had a minute. And he's like, What the hell are you doing? Calling me from the bathroom. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, I don't know. And so he opened the door and he's like, You're the first person that's ever done. He's like, What do you want? Like, well, uh, I haven't been home and my, I have a wedding coming up and I was wondering if I could be home, uh, for, you know, I gave him a date and, uh, he didn't give me an answer, but that was like, looking back, if, if I was a, like a boss and some kid like was cleaning the bathroom and knocked on the door to ask for days off, I would have probably ran him off at that yeah. time and been like. <laughs> Don't ever ask me for days <laughs> off while you're cleaning the bathroom. That's just so awkward. And so it's, it's not really that <laughs> it's embarrassing, but it's like in looking back at it, like I was, I didn't know how to approach my boss. And so, yeah, I was sitting there with like a scrub brush and like, like gloves and stuff like cleaning the bathroom, asking for time off, like <laughs> looking back, like I wasn't embarrassed at the time, but now I'm like, wow, that was extremely embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. I'm In sure this there's picture
0: scrubbing the toilet. Hey boss, by the way, can I uh, go home tomorrow?
2: Yeah. like Can I, Yeah, can I, can I have some days off? And the crappy thing is like, he never gave me an answer for like two weeks. So <laughs> he kept like dragging it along and I was like, God dang. And then he finally was like, okay, he's like, look, yes, yeah, so you can, you can go home for these dates, but then you got to come back, you know, these dates He's like, but if you ever ask me for time off from the bathroom again, you might as well not come back. And I was like, OK, noted. Yeah, I'll come in through the front door instead of through the bathroom yeah. door. Yeah. Yeah. So that was
1: the normal thing. That's I'm funny. sure he's probably
2: like, this dumb kid. But yeah, um, that's I don't know if that's the most embarrassing, but I'm embarrassed to like describe that. So I don't really get <laughs> to works, too much. Works. But yeah, that yeah, was that does work. Highlight of my career for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, cool. Thanks for coming on. I know you have a meeting to run to. No but worries.
2: This has been fun. Yeah. You ladies are crushing it and I'm super pumped to see how this evolves. And like I said, evolve or die, right? Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Yeah. think we'll have you on when we know a little bit more and you can talk to us more in depth. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I hope I
2: did an okay job. It's again, it's I'm working on explaining things simply to people who don't quite understand it. Um, so I think this is a good exercise mm-hmm. and, and a great platform to do that. So I commend you ladies. You, it's such a good idea.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, Justin. Thank yeah, you. you're
2: welcome. Thank you guys.
1: Should we plug your podcast? Oh, sure. Non-existent <laughs> followers. No, <laughs> you
2: guys are going to have lots. I'll make sure my mom subscribes. <laughs>
1: Thank
2: you. Yeah. yeah we uh, got one
0: subscriber. Our moms or yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, my mom's always
0: like, I listen to your podcast
2: again. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So yeah, if you want to, uh, so again, I have a podcast, wicked energy with JG. You can find it on all directories. Um, and it focuses around having discussions about, um, you know, a lot of the challenges, the innovation, the transition. Uh, and in, in, we're through, uh, speaking and interviewing energy thought leaders. And so, um, yeah, just continue to educate, dive deep into a lot of the challenges and, and just some really good discussion on oil and gas, whether it's technology policy, um, you know, the transition sort of all things good for energy. So, and then two is like how a lot of the conversation I like to have is how can we help provide energy to the world? Cause I think one of the problems is, you know, it's one thing to help you know reduce emissions and everything else but i think the biggest problem we have right now is energy poverty yes. in lots of parts of the world is so how can we how can we allow for people to have access to reliable abundant and affordable energy i think that needs to be the north star and then beyond that we can continue focusing on you know reducing uh, emissions and and all you know the greenhouse gas effects and everything else right. but but that's a privilege yeah it, it is right and so there's countries out there who don't care about emitting they just want to be able to heat their hospitals exactly. and have electricity so that they can have babies in a nice environment versus on a dirt floor so right. keep that in mind
1: yes well thank you justin
2: yeah thank you